0: what's up everybody i hope you are doing well this is the nick finzer audio experience and today we're digging into an ask nick and so ask nick was a live q a show i was doing uh, on youtube and do still occasionally do uh just not quite as frequently this is episode number 82 we're talking about transcription we're talking about making mistakes when you're transcribing and how to fix them advice for playing lead trombone and uh talking about bad compositions and it is my 100% 100% belief that you have to write a lot of bad compositions to get to the good ones. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. It is very helpful and uh, can't wait to see you again soon. So uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in. If you had not known the UNT con slash King trombones, jazz trombone competition closed yesterday. That is September the 8th. So September the 8th, 2021. We have some great prizes for our finalists. I can't wait to have our three finalists on campus. Some people have been emailing me about when they might get results or when they might get some comments back. Um, Not everyone's gonna be able to get comments back, but we're gonna give as many uh, comments back as we can. Uh, We have entries from all over the world, and uh, it's gonna be a little tricky uh, to get everyone back really, really quickly, because the most important thing for us right now is that we have to get the finalists identified and then get travel books so they can come to campus in, in November. So if you if you hadn't heard yet watching this, you're gonna hear first, we're having the fantastic Edo Mishulam, uh from uh, LA, from well, from Israel, but also living in LA, and he did the Monk Institute. He plays with he's played with Herbie, He plays with John Beasley, the, the Monk He's played with Gordon Goodwin. You can find him all over YouTube. Uh, he was in the Monk Institute. I think I said that, which is now the Herbie Hancock Institute. Uh, and so we're super excited to be having Ido come to UNT to be the guest artist for this year's. Um, Festival of all, we're going to have a full announcement video there, but if you're watching this, you get to be the first to know. And we're going to be doing some brand new arrangements. He suggested an arrangement so uh, that Ido and I are going to play together with the YouTubes, which is going to be a lot of fun. We've got a king trombone as the prize for our first place winner. We have a butler custom trombone slide for our second place winner, and our third place finalist will also be getting something, but we can't disclose that right now, and the winner. Of course we'll get a scholarship to unt a thousand dollar scholarship to unt for the program of their choice when they apply to come started listening to some of the entries today and they were super great so uh, this is going to be kind of a rapid fire edition of the show and uh, we're going to just get rolling i've got nine questions i'm going to power through these questions alex asks my thoughts on transcribing the mistakes when transcribing a solo yeah i mean if there's obvious mistake maybe you fix it, quote unquote. Uh, If it's like a note mistake or a cracked note, you know, I'll just figure out what note they meant to play and try to play it that way. Sometimes the magic is in the mistake, so understanding how and why it works is important. So I wouldn't automatically just say like, oh, I gotta fix it or don't fix it or play the mistake or don't play the mistake. I think it's on a case by case basis. anyone that's studied with me knows that my whole kind of shtick when we do a transcription is that we're going to be as faithful as we can to the recording so meaning we're going to be as close as we can to the recording getting all the articulations the inflections all of those things so uh, we take all the time that we have and can to make sure that we get as close as we can. So that it goes for all the aspects. So to me, it's like, yeah, maybe you would include the mistakes, but also trying to understand the kind of the why. I'm always interested in the why. Why did it work? Why didn't it work? Um, How can we make it better? How can we get something out of it? They said, just got a lead chair at my university. Any advice? All right, so if you're playing lead in a big band, the important thing, the best advice I can give you is find great lead players and listen to them. Uh, Sometimes we don't have a concept, right? So the most important thing to get when playing any new type of music or getting thrust into any new musical situation is to know the concept that you're trying to achieve. So that concept might be maybe Irby Green, it might be Wycliffe Gordon, it might be somebody uh, like the guy that used to play in the band or the gal that used to play in the band before you did uh, at your university in terms of a concept for lead playing you know so there's different concepts like the, you know if you listen to Ellington's band or the Jazz Center band versus someone like Kenton's band you'll notice one has a lot of personalization and Kenton has no, almost no personalization they use a lot more slide vibrato uh, Ellington's man uses more lip vibrato you know there's all these different kind of things so you gotta be knowledgeable uh, and get a concept together because usually get a concept together about like soloing like what do I want to sound like when I solo who do I want to sound like what am I gonna transcribe and all that same thing happens with uh, lead playing Dick Nash another LA cat you know Bill Watchers played a certain way John Fetchak plays a certain way so you just have to kinda do research come up with a concept and then do the same thing every time so your job as a lead player is to define what, what the phrasing is going to be, but then stick to it. Uh, one of the most annoying things you can do as a lead player is keep changing how you play something. You want to make it replicatable. You want your section to know what you're going to do so that they can follow you. A couple from Brian first. He says, What tunes have you learned in all 12 keys? Uh, one that I like to play in 12 keys because my friend Lucas likes to play it in 12 keys is Cherokee. Uh, This last couple weeks we were working on all the things you are in 12 keys with the studio. Uh, We always do blues and rhythm changes in 12 keys. Donna Lee I've taken in 12 keys. You know tunes that have cycles, you know, giant steps, those type of things are good to take into 12 keys i'm not a person that takes every tune into 12 keys but i try to take a few tunes into 12 keys uh, bird blues is one that i've done in 12 keys confirmation you know the, the real staples the ones that you might need to know those sequences uh, but all the things you are this is really hard man it's like it trips me up every time because it's just like it's hard to hear you know it's hard to hear going through all those different key centers really fast so i recommend that one what do you think are the R- mount rushmore of jazz albums the four most important influential. I don't think I can answer that question because I can only answer what was impactful for me and what's impactful at the time when you're investigating. It's so personal and it's so personal to your experience when and where and how and who showed you the records that what's gonna be like your most important influential. And in terms of like for all of jazz, that's an impossible question. Um, I don't think there's only four or five or 10, you know. There's a whole host of artists that made bodies of work that i think are important you know the obvious ones like miles davis and duke ellington and count basie and louis armstrong and all the rest you know there's so many ella fitzgerald you can't you can't do it have you played a composition of yours that sounded bad in the beginning but worked uh yeah there's plenty of them that sounded bad in the beginning especially big band arrangements uh the more you kind of finesse them oh and also like if you've ever you know go digging on YouTube there's a project I did for 10-piece band a deck tech called uh, the 10-year suite and um, I really enjoyed that I did it at UNT a couple of years ago also but um, the first movement of that I had to rework like five times yeah but it works in a way if you just kind of like absor- kind of absorb it It kind of in the middle of it, it gets all kind of crazy but when you're about to make a record how selective are you with picking the right pieces I kind of compose the record Along with the selection process, so I don't like write a whole bunch of tunes and then select. I kind of like write the tunes to make the record, and then keep writing until I have the record. So there's not really any like selection process in that way. I don't believe in doing it that way. I was watching an interview though with Ron Carter, and uh, he was talking about recording with Miles. And they, when they would record with Miles, that they would just record whatever's in the repertoire at that time, and they would bring new music to the session and um, i thought that was pretty interesting that they just played whatever they were working on and so sometimes it would be two days worth or two tunes worth or whatever stuff that was new that was unrecorded and i thought that was pretty interesting he has a bunch of interviews on his youtube channel that he started doing with people that was one and then he did an interview with that guy um that guitar guy rick beato taylor asked do you have a favorite childhood memory either in music or life i mean i have obviously childhood memories but if i'm trying to think of favorite childhood memories about music um, I'm just going to say the one that kind of transformed my whole life, man, was, um, and it, I guess it was a collection of experiences, going to, through the process of preparing for being a classical musician and then finding the music of Duke Ellington, and then uh, that was through a band that played on Saturday mornings at Eastman in Rochester, and then we went to New York. and We got to play in uh, Alice Tully Hall, and I got to wander around New York, it was my first time in New York. Uh, I had been there with my parents before, but first time like as a jazz trombonist, because that was 10th grade for me. The magic of playing jazz in that city, it just kind of like woke me up and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I want to be a classical musician. I wanted to play classical music. I wanted to get into the orchestra and do, and do that because I thought that that's what I was good at, but it opened my eyes to a whole new, whole new world. And um, yeah, that, that was kind of a you know, that's a favorite memory of just doing that, but it's really a process, you know? And then it kind of came full circle getting to play then with the Lincoln Center Band many, many, many years later, 10 or more years later on tour, sitting on soundcheck and be like, oh crap, Winton is right behind me. What am I supposed to do now? Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. As usual, you can go ahead and put some questions in the comments. I'll try to grab a screenshot of them and bring them to the next episode. We're gonna go back to Tuesdays. November 20th is our Jazz Ramon Day. UNT admissions are now open. So if you're thinking about coming to UNT uh, to do a bachelor's degree, master's degree, DMA, uh, the application process is now open. We have virtual and in-person auditions this year. So whatever suits you best. Uh, We do have a pre-screening tape. There's a whole video on YouTube about all of that. But I will reiterate, we do actually have a TA spot opening up. Uh, Our TA Jack Courtright, um, who won the JJ Johnson competition this last year, uh, is finishing his masters and he'll be moving on. So uh, we're going to be looking for a TA, TF, for the studio who will teach secondary jazz trombone lessons, help me out with the Jazz Performance Fundamentals class, which is our first year uh, class for, for freshmen jazz trombone majors, and some and other people that are interested in kind of honing in on the basics of jazz trombone, and then the YouTubes, and directs the YouTubes, and then some TAs and TFs uh, get looped into and expand their load and get paid more and all these kind of things uh, to go and do work for the department in terms of maybe conducting a lab band. Jack is conducting a lab band. Uh, a couple of our, of our students, Jazz remote students are doing lab bands and arranging class and a whole bunch of different things. So uh, if you are a person, especially in the masters or DMA, realm we're looking for you uh this year and of course always looking to take some great undergrads as well so applications are now open and they're due in december but so but the pre-screen you know get it in send it in ask me questions send them in uh nicholas.finzer at unt.edu but yeah we'd love to hear from you so uh, please get in touch if you have any questions so um have a great week have a great weekend and uh, we'll be back live for the next episode but in the meantime hope you enjoyed this one take care